0: Good morning. You guys doing well this morning? Enjoying a little uh, early fall weather in the middle of, I guess we're at the end of July. How many of you guys love this weather? Man, I do. If we could just have this all year round, this would be phenomenal. Well, Pastor Paul's on vacation, and so you guys are stuck with me, so you're welcome uh, for that. Uh, does anybody else love vacations? I know Pastor Paul does because he's there right now. Who loves vacations? Who's jealous that Pastor Paul's on vacation right now? Me? Yeah, me. Yeah, I am too. I love vacations. I like to travel. I like to see new places. Uh, I like to Here's here's my my vacation. When I'm when I'm planning a vacation, like the hotel's cool and all where we're staying, but I uh, I spend the majority of my time planning where I'm going to eat on vacation. Anybody else like that? Like, I, yeah, I see those hands back in the sound booth. Yeah, there we go. Uh, man, what is it that I'm going to eat while I'm on vacation? What restaurants am I going to go to? I spend way too much time on TripAdvisor l- reading reviews of restaurants when I'm on vacation, but that's what I like to do. I like to eat and it shows, and so uh, that's, that's cool. Uh, but I love vacations. I love just a chance to get away. Um, not worry about the, the demands of life and the demands of ministry and, and all these demands in life. I just like to get away. Um, I, Chelsea and I don't get to go on a vacation until October this year. And so all of you guys who are taking, who's taking a vacation this summer? Yeah, you guys are kind of jerks. Um, so <laughs> I see all the pictures on Facebook of the beach and I'm like, come on, like October is so far away. But when you guys are, you know, kids are back in school and Chelsea and I are on the beach in in Jamaica in October, uh, we'll be... We'll be, uh, we'll be paybacks. We'll sh- certainly fill up your Facebook feed with, with those pictures. So um, Vacations are awesome, right? We, we're Life is busy. Jobs are busy. School is busy. There's lots of demands, and it's great to just get away and to unplug and to remove ourselves from those distractions. Uh, that's why I like to go to play, even just like Hocking Hills, because Verizon doesn't even know that a place like Hocking Hills exists. And so there's no cell phone towers anywhere near, so you can't get received and so I can't be tempted to look at my phone or check my email I I actually proposed to Chelsea in Hocking Hills and, uh, yeah, uh, it was cute. Cedar Falls, it was, fan- I mean, it was It was good. I'm, I'm pretty good like that. Uh, um, she had to, she, you know, she was excited. She pretended to be excited. Um, she wanted to She wanted to tell her parents. And uh, so, like, we're driving through, you know, the winding roads of Hawking Hills, and she's got her phone out there just waiting for, like, one tiny bar of, of signal. And then we do, and then we just stop right in the middle of the road. And so she can call her mom and dad and, and let them know. Um, but it's good. To go to places like that where you're not um, where you're not distracted by by re, like by real life, right? Well, this morning I want to I want to look at a story in scripture uh, where Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, is kind of finding himself in need of a little getaway, a little time to uh, relax and rest, and to remove himself from. Uh, the demands of his ministry, and as you can imagine, the demands of the Son of God, the Messiah, the demands of his ministry are pretty large. And so he's he's finding himself in need of this uh, of this getaway, which is not uncommon in his ministry. Uh, we see him frequently uh, removing himself from the crowds to try to reconnect with the Father, to have some alone time, and to kind of refocus. Uh, and recenter his life before he goes back out, and so we find it, we find Jesus in need of this um, in one of, in my opinion, one of the most fascinating stories in all of Scripture. It's it's intriguing. Um, it's always intrigued me this story. Uh, if you if you want to go ahead and flip there, we're going to be in, in Mark chapter uh, seven. If you want to if you want to go ahead and flip there, but this story has always intrigued me. I remember I would be reading through my scripture and I would get to this portion of scripture and I would be like, "What does this even mean?" And then I would just kind of flip through and move on. In fact, in my Bible, this Bible is really old. Um, but it, I'm, I know that you can't see it, but I'm going to pretend like you can see it. Right under this, uh, the heading of this story, I wrote commentary question mark. I made myself a note, like I need to check this out in the commentary because I have no idea what it's talking about. Uh, finally, I did. And, and in fact, last week uh, in our youth group, and we're, we're going through a series of stories of Jesus to just kind of discover who Jesus was and what Jesus did. And this story came up last week. Um. And there was this kind of intrigue by the teenagers. It was an intriguing story. And so I thought, man, let's, let's revisit that this morning. Um, we're, we're kind of in between sermon series. Uh, Pastor Paul will be starting a new sermon series next week. So let's, let's take a look at this story and kind of figure out what it is um, that is happening. Because it's pretty fascinating. It's kind of mind-blowing. Um, and, and I want to dig in. So Mark chapter 7 is where we're at. Uh, We're going to be starting in verse 24, if you want to follow along. Um, You'll notice if your Bible has uh, headings or subtitles, whatever you you might call them, uh, it's the faith of a Syrophoenician woman. And you're like, that's a really big word. I don't know what that means. We'll get there. All right, so Mark chapter 7, verse 24. Pay particular attention to this interaction between Jesus and this woman. And I think you'll uh, maybe scratch your head afterwards. (laughs) Mark chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied, But even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then He told her, For such a reply you may go. The demon has left your child, or your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. This is a strange passage. (laughs) We see Jesus... Um. not really following the character that we typically see Jesus in Scripture. And it's, it's fascinating, and it's intriguing, and it leaves us scratching our head. But I think that there's some good truths that we can pull from this Scripture. So if you will indulge me for the next few minutes, let's dig into this. Um, let's Let's rewind a little bit. Let's go backwards in scripture. We're not going to read any more scripture, but I want to, in order to kind of get a better picture of where we're at right now let's rewind just a little bit Jesus leading up to this particular story Jesus had just been in an interaction with some of the religious leaders some of the Pharisees which is not uncommon for Jesus's ministry that's who he oftentimes had these kind of tense conversations with um, he was not afraid to ruffle some feathers with the religious leaders he was not afraid to call them out in fact most of the rebuking that he did was was towards the religious leaders. And so before this story, we see Jesus in this um, in this interaction uh, again with these religious leaders. And the, the interaction was based on this idea of clean versus unclean. This is a significant um, theme in in Hebrew and Jewish culture in law it stemmed back to the Old Testament law where there was these lists of things that made people unclean and it had to do with things like what they ate and what they didn't eat and the groups of people the the culture um, that that they came from and and um, all of this stuff that made people clean and unclean. This was the culture in which Jesus was, um, was having this interaction. He was interacting with the religious leaders and he said, You guys have, been, have heard that, it's, that, that, that what makes you clean and unclean is kind of this outside stuff the food that you eat, uh, the people groups that you interact with. In fact, sometimes even if you come into contact with a certain group of people, you are unclean. He's kind of like, you guys ever watch the, the Mythbusters show? I don't know if it's still on or not. Um, but Mythbusters, they kind of come up with this crazy, crazy myth, and these two guys, um, they basically try to debunk that myth or to find out if it's true. Jesus is kind of taking this idea of the clean versus unclean, and he's saying, guys, it's not about what you eat that makes you clean or unclean. It's not the people group that you associate with. It's not your culture. It's not your socioeconomic status or your race or your ethnicity. It's not that that makes you clean versus unclean. He says what makes you clean or unclean is your heart. Your heart. And so he kind of clarifies this, and he he actually, um, he kind of, makes it a point to say that bacon is okay to eat. So thank you, Jesus. Right? Yeah, yeah, yes. Anyway, yeah, I'm excited about that. I was at State Fair yesterday and had a maple bacon funnel cake. Because Jesus gave this talk to the religious leaders, like that was okay for me to do, and I can still be called clean. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Je- Jesus has this fan, this this great interaction with the religious leaders to say this is this is what you've been going off of this is clean and this is unclean. I want to tell you that it's not that it's what's in your heart that makes you clean versus unclean. So right on the heels of this interaction with the religious leaders is where we find this particular story that we're looking at this morning. Again, Jesus was in need of uh, of a little getaway. He was ready to take a break. We saw this frequently in His ministry. Uh, We saw Him kind of resting in the middle of a boat, but we know that that was interrupted by a storm and the the disciples being a little bit scared. We see Jesus later after He had been... um, after he had learned that his cousin John the Baptist was beheaded, we see him getting away and kind of taking a break. And then that's when the crowd of at least 5,000 came and wanted to hear from him and to learn from him. And then he had to feed the 5,000 with, a, with a two, uh, two fish and the five loaves. Uh, we see Jesus frequently kind of removing himself to take this break. And that's what we see him doing here. And he kind of does this. Interesting little move to try to get this much needed rest that he wants. Remember, the, the, the interaction that took place before had to do with clean and unclean. Jesus finds himself in the midst of, of just life and ministry and he wants to remove himself for a little bit of a break. So he does something very interesting. He goes into the land of Tyre. Now Tyre is a Gentile Area. He crosses the border from his Jewish area to Tyre, the Gentile area. Now remember how I talked about clean and unclean being um, having a lot to do with people groups. The Gentile area was unclean. They were not Jews. So think through Jesus' strategy. Maybe I'm reading too much into this. I don't know. But He wants to get away. Remember how I want to go to Hocking Hills where I don't have the distractions of normal life. Jesus wants to get away, and so He crosses the border, the boundary, into Tyre, into the unclean area. And He thinks, surely the people will not follow Me into here because I've crossed the border. This is now the unclean area. So He kind of strategically uses this clean and unclean idea to get away, to get the the rest and the relaxation that He needs. And He thinks, surely I will get my rest here. And he, he, Scripture even says... Um, that he wanted to be uh, kept a secret. He finds himself in this house. I would imagine that he booked it on Airbnb and he goes to, to somebody's house in Tyre and he's re- relaxing there and he, and he tries to keep it a secret. He tells the, the owner of the house, like, don't tell anyone I'm here. He tells his disciples who were, who were with him, don't tell anyone else that I'm here. But somehow this woman, this Syrophoenician unclean Gentile woman finds out that Jesus is there. He couldn't be kept a secret. She finds him and is in desperate need of Jesus' healing touch for her daughter. Now, Matthew kind of paints this, this picture in his, in his uh, version of this story. Um, he paints this picture of this woman almost being a nuisance or an annoyance to Jesus and his disciples. Uh, He paints this picture of this woman in in desperate need, uh, following them around and begging Jesus to help his little daughter. He paints this picture of, of her just kind of being an annoying person who won't leave them alone. And we see that the disciples are pretty perturbed by this. They know that Jesus needs His rest. He needs His time away. And and this woman, mind you, this Syrophoenician woman, this Greek Gentile woman, this unclean woman, keeps following them around and asking over and over and over for this healing to take place. We see that the disciples are at their wits' ends, And they say, Jesus, just send this woman away. Like, just get her out of here. Tell her to get away. They don't want her to be here annoying them anymore. That's kind of the Matthew version of this story. We're, we're, We're focusing more on Mark. And so at this point, we see this extremely fascinating interaction between Jesus and this woman. Jesus says, again, the disciples want her to be sent away. Just get her out of here. She's annoying us. She's driving us nuts. She won't be quiet. We're just trying to rest a little bit. And Jesus has this interaction with her. Remember, this woman came to her in desperation. Her her daughter was demon-possessed. It was causing suffering in their family. You can imagine a parent who is in desperate need of a healing touch for their child. right? They, she has likely tried everything she can think of. Um, she wants her daughter to, uh, to, to be done with the suffering and the pain. And she's willing to do whatever it takes. If you're a parent, I'm certain that you can kind of put yourself in that position whether you've had a child that has suffered Or not but as a parent you can kind of empathize man as a parent i never want to see parents go through a situation where their little child is in danger i had the privilege to uh to go and pray with ryan and mara and reed right before they took him to surgery and it was man it was the most difficult pastoral visit that i've that i think i've done um There was full confidence in the surgeon and the doctor, but it was just seeing this weak old baby that is getting ready to have open heart surgery. Like as a parent, I could empathize with them. I don't know what they're going through because I've never had to do that, but I could empathize. Like I know that 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 was painful. Um, But I'm here to tell you that God is good and that Reed uh, had successful surgery. Um, Yeah, that's awesome. Um, she's here. He's still in recovery uh, in, in ICU. Um, once, they, once they get out of ICU, they'll have a little bit of time and a step down, and then uh, Reed will get to come home. So aren't you guys thankful for, for that? Um, yeah, for sure. Where was I? Um, sorry, that's good. Um, yeah, thanks. Um, we, we, can, we, can kind of, we can empathize with this woman who's in desperate need of a touch for her daughter. And she's asking Jesus. And this is Jesus' response, which I find quite fascinating. He says, First let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. If you catch this, Jesus is essentially calling this woman a dog. <laughs> this I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but this is totally out of character for Jesus in His ministry that we see in Scripture. What's the pattern that we typically see from Jesus? We see Jesus uh, coming across people who are in similar desperate situations. Either they need healing themselves or they have a family member that needs healing. And they're desperate, and Jesus responds with compassion. He heals them. Uh, He heals their children, their family members. This is the pattern that we see uh, with Jesus. In this particular instance, Jesus kind of acts out of character and says, this bread is not for you. This bread is not for the dogs. This bread is for the children. What what kind of person would we be if we took the bread from the children and and fed it to the dogs? What is going on here? Jesus is calling this woman a dog. Now, uh, this would not have necessarily been... um, Unusual, let's say. Dogs was kind of a slang term that was used for Gentiles. In fact, the two terms would often go together, and the phrase that would would be commonly used would be Gentile dogs. It was a slang term, almost a kind of a derogatory term for the Gentiles that the that the Hebrews, the Jews, would have used. Uh, they would have called them the Gentile dogs. And so we see Jesus kind of playing into uh, or feeding off of this idea that the Gentiles are just dogs. He says, this bread is for the children. The dogs don't get any of this bread. And I can't help but say, Jesus, what are you doing here, man? Like, this is not how you treat a person. This is not how you treat a woman. And I think this is one of those things that I'm going to put on my to ask Jesus list when I get to heaven. You guys have those lists? or you're like, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, you probably should have done something different there. And he'll be like, I'm Jesus, which means I'm God. You're not, so shut up. <laughs> what, what, what is going on now? Now there's a little bit of like confusion of whether because there was like two uh, two Hebrew words for or two Greek words other uh, for for dog, whether it was the like the ferocious scavenger dog that kind of roamed the neighborhood and just dug up trash and ate in the in the dumpsters, or whether it was talking about the the little pet lap dogs. Um, regardless, Jesus seems to be calling this woman, this desperate woman, a dog, and say, this healing's not for you yet. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was this woman, I would have been a little bit offended. (laughs) I probably wouldn't have taken it as kindly as she did. I probably would have turned around and said, this Jesus guy is nonsense, right? She had heard about Jesus, her people had heard about Jesus, and she uh, had gone to him in desperation no doubt she had tried many other things she tried many other gods to try to heal her daughter and she comes to this Jesus guy who she'd heard so much about and she begs him and he calls her a dog and I would not have taken too kindly to that I probably would have turned around and went back to my Gentile people and said, "This Jesus guy is nonsense. He called me a dog and sent me away, and my daughter's still sick. On she's still demon possessed, and this is this is a this is a hoax. (laughs) This Jesus guy is not real. That's what I would have done. That's not the woman's response." Maybe even more fascinating than Jesus's reply to her is her response to Jesus. We see this kind of moment of sarcasm and wit from this woman. And she replies like this She says, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. How many of you have a dog? Is that your dog? Yeah. That's my dog. Chelsea and I have a dog named Tucker. Tucker was cool. Tucker's cool. Tucker was really cool before we had kids. <laughs> now that we have kids, it's like, good gracious, this dog is just an annoyance. And every time I have to go somewhere, I have to think, who am I going to take Tucker to? Thankfully, Brendan and Merrill, they live here in Marysville and they're the designated dog sitter for us. Now that we have kids, it's like this dog is just, man, he just he's just an annoyance. He was cool before kids. But I tell you what, the reason that we keep Tucker around is because every evening, almost every evening, we have three boys, age four and under, sitting at our table eating dinner. I don't have to sweep the floor because Tucker exists. <laughs> That's the only reason we keep him around. <laughs> like he cleaned. Now, I t- I'll tell you, Tucker has gotten... Uh, more bold as the years have gone on. Like when it was just Jensen, he would just kind of like lay there. You know how dogs sometimes they kind of like lay completely flat and they look like a one of those bear rugs. Like that's what Tucker would do at the, at the table and he would just wait and then a crumb would drop and he'd go get it. By the time Judah came around and now like there'll be times when Tucker just completely like paws up on the table eating off their plates. And I'm like, get out of here. Like, this bread is not for you. You're just a dog. And he's like, yeah, but I get the crumbs. <laughs> right? This is. <laughs> I, 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 I wish that I could find a way to take Tucker to restaurants with me. Because, man, I, I tell you what, I feel bad for restaurant employees when we leave. Because, let me tell you, we leave our mark. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm leaving and I'm like, whoop quick, get out of here. (laughs) Like it's a disaster under there. Tucker, we keep him around to be our little vacuum dog. (laughs) He eats the crumbs. And this is the woman's reply. Like Jesus says, the bread's not for you. We wouldn't take the bread from the children and give it to the dogs. And he's saying kind of this ministry and, and scripture kind of shows us that uh, this ministry, like Jesus's ministry at the beginning, was specifically for the children of God, the people of God, the Jews, the Israelites. We see obviously later in scripture, especially through uh, through his apostles, that the message then spread uh, to the Israel or to the to the Gentiles, to the non Jews, and to all people. It is a gospel for all people. It is a gospel for you and for me and for all socios, economics and in all cultures and all ethnicities and all races. But at this time, Jesus is like, at this point, my ministry is to the children of God. And what right would, we, would I have to take the bread from the children and give it to this woman? And this woman says, yeah, I know. But just give me the crumbs that are going to fall to the table. Just give me those crumbs. And with her reply, her almost sarcastic witty reply jesus changes his mind jesus kind of doesn't about face he changes his tone and he says woman because of your reply your daughter is healed and she goes home and she finds her daughter on the bed and she is healed the demon has been cast out of her Why? What just happened here? (laughs) I think that Jesus, Jesus said, because of your reply, your daughter has been healed. I think that there's two things that this woman recognized that kind of caused Jesus to respond with compassion and to heal her daughter. I want to point out those two things. First, this woman recognized who Jesus was. Now, this is interesting because she was not a worshiper. Her people were not worshipers of Yahweh, of the Hebrew God Yahweh. This was, they, they were not worshipers. Of, in fact, they were likely worshiping the, uh, the, the pagan moon goddess. Uh, but this was not who they were worshiping. But somehow she had this revelation to understand that Jesus Was Lord. Look at how she replies. She says, Yes, Lord. Now it's interesting to note that in all of the Gospel of Mark, this woman is the only one to call Jesus Lord, to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. She recognized who Jesus was. She said, Yes, Lord. Now the Lord is kind of like a um, kind of a an overseer, ruler, think of like a landlord, someone who owns the property, who is over all the property, who controls the property, and you just kind of live there. Like, yes, Lord, Jesus is Lord, He's He's Lord of everything, He has control of my life, and I'm just here kind of doing what He wants me to do. She recognizes Jesus as Lord. She says, Yes, Lord. Again, the only person in the Gospel of Mark to recognize Jesus as Lord. The second thing this woman um, recognizes is her status and her position. Jesus responds by telling her that she is simply an undeserving dog. Says she's a Gentile. She doesn't deserve His grace and His mercy, which is what the bread is. And her response is just that I know. I know that I'm totally undeserving. But I just want the crumbs. Like I'm not looking for I'm not looking for this gluttonous feast of mercy and grace and blessings. I just want the crumbs. Just give me the crumbs. What extraordinary faith she had. Like, Jesus, I don't need this whole loaf of bread. I just want the crumbs. Just give me a crumb and that will be sufficient for me. But I know that I'm undeserving. She recognized her position. She recognized her status. She recognized that she didn't deserve the grace of God. But isn't that what grace is, right? The undeserved gift of God. I wonder if sometimes we miss out on some things that God has for us because we're not willing to take this position. Now, I'm not talking about like blessings like we sometimes think of blessings. Like I think that we we oftentimes think of of God's blessings as very earthly and material types of, of blessings. Like God will grant you what you want here in your earthly world. Like he's going to give you Uh, A new car and a a new job. like that's, That's a pretty poor idea of what blessings are. But I wonder if sometimes we miss out on something that God has for us. Because we're not willing to take or to recognize our position like this woman did. Like I know that I need Jesus. I know that I need a Savior. We sang about it this morning. Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. But I wonder if sometimes our, our pride and our ego get in the way of us truly taking the position of humility that is required to receive God's grace and God's mercy. It's kind of hard for us to grasp because to be honest, we live in a in a society in a culture that is very opposite of grace. Uh, everything that we strive for and yearn for here on earth is based on our merits and how well we do, right? The things that you, that, you, um, that you work for, you work for them and then you get them. You work for the promotion at job and then you get it. You work for the good grades, you study hard for the good grades and then you get it. It's what you've done and then you've earned this, that's the way that our society works. Grace is completely the opposite of that. It's not about what we've done, what we do. It's not about who we are. It's not about our people groups. I wonder if we miss out on some on some of the things that God has for us because we're not willing to take the position of this woman to say to recognize that I know that I am just a dog, but your Lord. And all I need is a little crumb. To have the faith to say, all I need is a little crumb. Now, I think that this not only affects our relationship with God, but this affects our relationship with other people as well. Think back to the disciples and their reaction, what I, what I referenced uh, from the Matthew account of this. What was their response? They wanted this woman to go away. She was an annoyance. She was a nuisance. She wouldn't stop begging them. And she just, he, they just wanted Jesus to send her away. They probably had in their mind that this is just a Gentile woman. She doesn't deserve this. This is not for her. Jesus has plenty of other fish to fry amongst his people, uh, plenty of other miracles and healings that he has to do amongst his people. Just send this woman away. I wonder what it would have been like if the disciples understood their position and understood their status. I wonder what it would have been like if the disciples recognized that their status, their position was the same as that woman. To say that I am just an undeserving person. I don't deserve your grace. I don't deserve your mercy. But you are Lord and just give me a crumb. I wonder how that interaction would have been different. Because when we, when we find ourselves in the disciples' camp, I think, that we, um, I think that we get this kind of mindset that we are more deserving of God's grace and God's mercy than other people. You know, maybe I've, I've gone to church for 32 years, so I'm pretty stinking deserving of God's grace and God's love. Or I was born in the right country, so I'm more, more deserving of God's grace and God's love. I wonder what it would look like if we understood our position before at the feet of God, at the feet of Jesus. I'm just an undeserving little puppy <laughs> sitting at the foot of your table, just waiting for a crumb. Now she was persistent, and she had great faith. She claimed it. She was persistent. She said, no, I want this. I need this. I know that I'm not deserving, but I know that I need this. What would it look like if we took that position at the feet of Jesus? Two things I want to... We're just, we're just going to close. And i but I'm going to leave time uh, to, to kind of think and, uh, and respond. Um, I want to say respond however you want. If you want to nail the altars, that's totally fine. If you just want to sit there and think. But I, but I think there's two things that, um, that we can respond to here first. First, we need Jesus. <laughs> I need Jesus. I love that song that we sang. Lord, I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Nothing that I have done. um, That's all I have. That's all I have is Jesus. I need Jesus. Maybe there's things in your life that you need Jesus for. That you need Jesus to come through in a big way. I would encourage you as we take just a few minutes of quiet to tell, to tell God that. God, I need this. I'm sure you probably already have. See, in this time, claim claim Jesus as Lord, but also understand our position that this isn't something that I deserve, and I've worked really hard to get. But I just need a crumb from Jesus. Second thing I would ask you to uh, to to contemplate: Are there people in our world, in our society, maybe even in our neighborhood, that? You're sometimes guilty of thinking that you deserve God's grace, God's love, God's mercy more than they do. I would challenge you to take these next couple of minutes of quiet to ask God for forgiveness. I know that I'm guilty of that. To ask God forgiveness, but then to ask God that He would constantly remind you that we are all undeserving of God's grace no one is more deserving than anyone else take a few minutes and then I will close us in prayer Jesus this morning we recognize our position our status that it's not because of anything that we have done or any work that we have done um, that we can be called children of God We thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Even though we don't deserve it, that you have given it freely to us. God, I know that there are people in our congregation who are in desperate need of a touch from you or for their family. God, right now we declare that you are Lord and that again we are undeserving of your grace and of your mercy. But we also boldly claim that you are Lord and so therefore you can can grant us those those blessings, those instances of grace. And so we claim that, even if it's just a little crumb. God, would you forgive us for those times when we look at certain people, people groups, um, and think that we are more deserving of your love and of your grace than they are. Because the truth is, is that just like this woman was undeserving of of the bread, we too are undeserving of the bread. And so it's not just because we've been doing this church and Jesus thing for, for a really long time, like we're no more deserving of your love and grace than anyone else. And so help us to remember that. Forgive us for for those times when we have been guilty of that, but help us to remember that. God, thanks for the the truth and the lessons of this interesting story in Scripture. Um, Thanks for being with us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray.